0: Hi everyone, this is the Jade Marissa podcast and this is episode 11. I'm talking to you from Thailand about the good, bad and ugly in combat sports and pop culture. Today, my guest is WMO 57kg Pro-Am female world Muay Thai champion from year 2017. Previously living the pirate life and now working at a university in Thailand on smart grid technology as project leader for the smart farm development. Welcome, Miss Lea Pedersen.
1: Thank you, Jade. Nice to be here. I'm really excited that you're here today. Yeah, me too. We go far back, so uh, a lot of things happened over the last seven years, so let's get to it.
0: Yeah, so Lea, please uh, tell me where you're from.
1: Introduce yourself a little bit. I come from uh, Denmark. I grew up in the Danish countryside. Um, I come from a very good family, so I had all of the support to to be where I am today. When I, in Denmark, we have this thing when you finish uh, school, you can uh, take one year uh, where you go to kind of a boarding school where you are like, getting a little bit separated from, from your family and you learn how to take care of yourself and you get a good network. And uh, I went from the countryside to the, to the island where the big city Copenhagen is and uh, got to know a lot of like, different alternative people. Uh, And from there, I went back to the countryside and started in high school. But I missed this urban life of Copenhagen. So uh, it was actually in the examination. We had this 24-hour examination where i uh, it was in physics. And I just didn't understand really uh, the subject. It was uh, one of the few times where I maybe didn't go to school. And I had a friend uh, who came to help me out. And in the middle of this, uh, I was just, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to continue in school. It doesn't even matter if I'm taking this examination. I'm going to drop out and I will move to Copenhagen. So how old were you around then? 18, I think. Uh, 18. Oh, okay. So, you did a lot of
0: like high school life at that age. I mean, a lot of school life, age 18.
1: No, I decided to not. Actually, I went through with the examination and, uh, and it, it went very good. Uh, but I had made the decision that I wanted to move to Copenhagen and try some ah. other things. So uh, during that year, I moved to Copenhagen and started a new life. Went into a school where I was learning about carpeting and working with wood and got introduced to some a uh, little bit more alternative environment. So you moved out of the countryside into the city and became a carpenter? <laughs> no, <laughs> got cabins. Into cabins, I was and just working with it, and right. uh, and actually it was more meeting some uh, some underground environments. And at this point in Denmark, we had uh, a big underground movement that was uh, around. Uh, we had a squatted house called the Youth House mm. that was uh, evicted by the government. So. Every At least one time a week, every Thursday, there was a first-day demonstration where we went uh, to the street to demonstrate that we wanted to have this alternative space where the youth could meet and uh, create events and create like this really special youth culture. Um, and this got me in contact with some people who were living in Barcelona. Uh, so I went there just like for one-month holiday, but it ended up being... Uh, Two years because <laughs> I just didn't come back. What were you doing there? In Spain, uh, they have this, especially in Catalonia, where Barcelona is, they have this uh, special law that if a house is abandoned, you can legally go into the house and claim that this house, uh, that you can have the use, the right of using this house until that the owner has. Uh, claims on- ownership. No, not only claims ownership, but you have to have like a development plan, you have to have future plans with the house. It was something that uh, that came because that there was a lot of uh, people thinking about property and so on, and it was leaving houses empty. Mm. Uh, so uh, the government decided many years ago to, uh, to give people this freedom of use the space if it, if it was not used. So in this space, there was like over, I think, 200 squatted houses. Wow. So it created a lot of uh, entrepreneurship, that you have these big spaces where you can uh, make whatever you feel like you can make events you can make folk kitchen you can make workshops and there was so much going on every week so there is actually a newspaper that uh, introduced all of these events that is going on in uh, the squatted houses every day so i think that was where like i today i have a very creative mind and Mm -hmm. it was like it began here because that because as a young person you just had the freedom to imagine what you could create out of these spaces Um, so creative, yeah. Very creative. And it was also uh, a culture where there came people from all over Europe.
0: It's really beautiful that the people saw the opportunity out of the houses to produce something rather mm. than just to use it as like a squatter house, you know.
1: And also we were living from, uh, because we didn't have a lot of like funding and stuff, but in, uh, in this society that you and me have been growing up in, there is a lot of waste so uh, we could go to like uh, waste places or just in the street, we found furnitures, we found building materials and then take this home to uh, our house or the place that we were creating or our garden. So everything we made was made out of waste from other people. Mm-hmm. And it was funny because back then when I was telling it to my parents and like people in Denmark, <laughs> they were like, what are you using trash as something <laughs> usable? And now it's becoming this trend because like we now, uh, globally, we have a big problem about waste. Yeah, like so, fr-
0: thrift stores in America are so popular. Second yeah, hand stores,
1: yeah, yeah. And 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 all over, we have to like start reusing our materials because uh, like we have a big problem with plastic pollution mm-hmm. and just like uh, waste everywhere from the way that we are cons- uh, the, that humans are consumption. So this way we were living back then, it's it's becoming trending now. Um, and then from all of this network of uh, people who came to Barcelona and was living in our houses and coming to our events and so on, I got uh, I got a network all over Europe. So we started uh, going to. So visit. what were your events? Uh, we had like. Uh, kitchen, so we had support parties for some of the oh. things we were doing, um, and there was some uh, different workshops. It was well, also where I started uh, Muay Thai, actually. Really? Because there was some uh, some of these uh, squatted abandoned houses that was turned into uh, gyms. Wow! And uh, when I was younger in the countryside, there is not kind of anything going on except sport. So what sports
0: were you doing when you were younger?
1: Football. Because I come from a village where it was almost only boys and me. <laughs> so every day after school, we went to the football pits and was playing football. Nice. And then uh, me and there was one other girl. We were like pretty damn good in football. So we came to the bigger city. I mean, stuff. you had to compete with the boys. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, so in the summertime, we were playing football. And in the winter time it was handball. And uh, I really wanted to be... Uh, to be in the middle but at the team where i started they needed a goalkeeper so i was put on goal and these uh, these balls <laughs> they are flying really hard against you so already there i had to like practice my reflection uh, and not blink and uh, oh, and not be afraid so maybe that was yeah, also helping great. me later i mean if the, there's a
0: ball flying at you yeah you're
1: gonna yeah, exactly prepare yourself. Yeah, you cannot really go away then, uh, then nice. yeah okay
0: so you're in spain uh, Helping doing hosting these different events, and then you started Muay Thai there. Yeah. T- tell us about that.
1: Um, like uh, when you are doing events, I was also doing events later on. It's uh, it's involved with a lot of alcohol and going out, and and this uh, this got too much for me. I got really depressed, and I uh, I didn't know what to do about myself, and I didn't have a purpose, and. Everything was just really black inside of my mind, and it was uh, actually uh, a little funny event that happened. The reason why I started martial art, it was because we were playing football, and there was uh, we were two girls, me and Jenna, and we were drunk, Uh, and uh, and you know when we were drunk playing football, yeah, (laughs) Uh, and you know when you have the ball, you really want to make the goal. So maybe I was a little bit rough. And maybe I pushed Jenna too hard, or the ball came flying, and I kicked the ball, and after I kicked her, so we got into a little bit of fighting, and it happened a couple of times. So the boys that was there was like separating us and had this great idea about we could make a little bit of money out of this. We are going no. to put up an event where the girls are going to be fighting. Do uh, And, and <laughs> because we were drunk, both of us I was like, yeah, man, we are going to do it. I'm going to destroy you. And
0: That's so we went, funny. The guys uh, saw an opportunity yeah. to make money
1: from you guys <laughs> fighting each other. And we went out that night... Uh, And it was like, everyone was talking about this, that, uh, yeah, we are going to do this fight event, it's going to be amazing. And the next morning, I woke up with very bad hangovers and also feeling very, uh, oh my fucking God, what (laughs) am I doing? Because Jenna sees this really hardcore punker from Hamburg, who was uh, earlier fighting with the Nazis and had put a knife through her foot and... And I was just this little oh countryside girl and people called me a hippie and she was like so rough. <laughs> and then one of my friends came by and he has been doing martial art. So he was, no worries there, we make a plan. You are secretly going to be training with me in one of the gyms we have oh around. Oh my gosh, you so got a secret, Mr. Miyagi. Completely. <laughs> Matthias from Finland. So, uh, we went uh, training every morning and every night, and I had to do it, because I had this stupid fight coming up, and I was so nervous, and I was crying almost after every uh, every training. Why am I doing this? <laughs> but there was no pulling out. But then, the fight never happened, because uh, a house got evicted, and there was like some things going on, but... But I could feel like this depression I had about no purpose and blah, 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 that 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 this sport actually were doing something positive for me. Right. And from my background in football, I like I, I was a, I was a very sporty person and, and I was very happy back then. So I started running and mm-hmm. continued martial art and knew that I had to move on from Barcelona and I had a good friend and we had uh, a dream about going to South America together. But my sister, she moved to Chiang Mai. So uh, my first visit to Thailand was to visit her with my friend and uh, my. Around what year was that? Remember?
0: Maybe around 2011. Mm -hmm. 11,
1: 2010, maybe. Yeah. So we came to Chiang Mai and my sister was working and. uh, and my friend she wanted to try to go to a Muay Thai gym, so uh, we went to Shire gym. Where it was the first. Shaya. Yeah, where it was first time I met Emma Thomas. Ah. Uh, and was training and and like you know we have many different intelligence and my body is like very physically intelligent, so I I, I adapt pretty fast in a in a sport. So mm-hmm. I was getting Muay Thai fast and yeah. the trainers after two weeks was like hey you should fight oh. I was like no I should not fight but
0: anyway but like, but so why did you just, you just want to try the Muay Thai that's why you, you yeah and to I had gym. like
1: a little bit of background from yeah. Barcelona so you uh, felt,
0: okay I'm in Thailand now I might as well try it yeah,
1: yeah. and then okay. it was also amazing to see the way of uh, how people were socializing and it was not around uh, going out or socializing in a bad way it was like a healthy way of uh, meeting people and having fun Uh, so we continued from there to south america and agreed on that we should try a gym in argentina in buenos aires which was our first uh, place and we lived there one month and we were going to the gym every day and uh and there were some more people from Denmark coming and wanted to join our travel and that was like from uh, the party uh, scene of Denmark and I knew that I needed like to break out of that I wanted. Yeah. So uh, I decided to just go on my own. So I took a bus 2 days before New Year's Eve to Bolivia. Uh <laughs> what? Yeah, um, what what came to your mind to because we had agreed that, uh, or in my, I don't know if we had agreed this, but what I came to South America for was like to learn Spanish finally. I lived in Spain for two years and I only spoke like really bad Spanish ah. and I wanted to discover the culture. And mm-hmm. if you're traveling up in a big group of Danish people and yeah, yeah. you are kind of excluding the culture and the people around you, so that was the first time where I went on my complete own out traveling in the world in that wow. that bus towards Bolivia. And I sat beside uh, one uh, Buenos Aires lady, no, uh, one uh, Bolivian lady who lived in Buenos Aires, uh, and she was going to see her family for the first time for a very long time. Mm-hmm. And South Americans, they are very like friendly and uh, welcoming. So she was like, you should come. You don't have anywhere to celebrate New Year. Or at least I think that was what you were saying, because my Spanish was a little bit <laughs> croggy And She's like, "I'll sell you." Yeah, lunch girl. <laughs> uh, maybe. And and in my head, I was like, "No, I need to go somewhere where they speak English." Mm-hmm. So I like were pretending that I was sleeping because I couldn't like manage more concentration to right. try to understand what she was saying. Uh, So I had a plan about going to a, like, touristic place when we arrived in Bolivia, but there was a big strike, so there was no buses, there was no nothing, because uh, they were protesting about something, so I was like, oh, uh, Padona, Padona, can can I anyway please come with you, because I have nowhere else to go, and she was like, yeah, you come with me to my uh, grandpapa. (laughs) So uh, I went with this family, and the fam- like her family, her brothers and cousins that came down from La Paz to celebrate New Year. And it was the first time they saw he- each other through for Aww. a long time. And I didn't understand a word they were saying, but they were very friendly anyway. And it was in this small city to Pisa, in kind of uh, the land, it, it everything... There was so much iron in the soil, so it was like the red land. Every all the mountains were red, the wow. rivers was red, and then the Bolivians were going around this really traditional clothes, and all the time chewing uh, coca leaves. Oh my god! And one day uh, <laughs> the grandpa he had a headache, so he had so he came out where he taking taken coca leaves and licked on them and put them in his face everywhere. So he came out as a bush, bush, and apparently it was helping. Wait. What do you mean? He had yeah. just had it everywhere, these leaves at leaves on his, leaves on his yeah. face?
0: Yeah. And then he rushed out?
1: No, it, he... It helped his headache. Yeah. Interesting. Very interesting. They're using it like medicine. Yeah. So after this, we continued to La Paz where I was living with them for one month. And I learned from Thailand this that it was a good way of socializing. Where to, you lived with the lady for one month? I lived one week into Pisa, and then her family invited me to come and live with them in La Paz. Oh, wow. <laughs> so I just kind of followed along, and I'm still in contact with them, so Aww. I have this, uh, fa- believe my Bolivian family. Oh, that's so cute. And uh, so I went uh, online on Google and searched La Paz, Muay Thai, hmm. but there was only Taekwondo, oh. so I started going to a Taekwondo gym every day and 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 learn this about like again how you meet people and make friends when you punch each other a little yeah, bit yeah martial and, uh, arts is so yeah, good for making friends it really and, like, is meeting
0: people yeah punching people in the face is like the best way to make
1: friends mm. <laughs> it's it, it, it's kind of another
0: we punched each other in the face
1: before. yeah we did yeah that was actually kind of how we became friends yeah, in the beginning and this continued uh, throughout South America, that uh, everywhere I went, I searched for the name of the city and Muay Thai, and I ended up spending one and a half year in Peru. Wow. It was, not, uh, it was because I got robbed my passport oh and my all my God. money and my credit card. And then it was so amazing to see, like, when you have nothing... Then you receive a lot of help from people. But what was the robbing
0: experience like like they mm-hmm. had they, had a gun to you, a knife to you?
1: Um I moved in first I moved into a room where I left some food out. So there came this big rat into my room every night. So oh. one day I was really, really sad sitting crying in a park and there came this he was for sure gay and told me that Oh, poor you. If you want to, you can come and stay with me and my mother. Oh. And it was in uh, Torillos, which is a really poor neighborhood. And it went from the rat to a lot of uh, cockroaches. And then I met one of his friends from the neighborhood, and he was living a, like still really poor, but a little bit more uh, high class. And he invited me to come and stay with him, he, him and his mother. And uh, then I was still, then I was going to Balanco, Baranko, Muay every day. And I was going home one night where there came some uh, boys up to me and uh, with a knife. Oh, shit. And uh, I had my computer and my oh, camera. No. So they stole this, but I was so happy about this neighborhood. So I didn't wanted it to be like, a, I was just trying to shake it out of me. So I started doing this, uh... I just continued, like, every day. So two days after, I got robbed again. Oh, no. (laughs) Where they took, like, uh, this little purse I had with my passport, my credit card, and all my money. So suddenly, I just had nothing. I was in a poor neighborhood, but I had less than everyone there. Oh, no. Completely, oh, no, but it was also the most beautiful experience I ever had because, like, all of these people who really don't have anything, they know how it is. Yeah. So everyone was helping me when I was wow. walking the street. The chicken lady was like, "Chiquita and she gave me a little bit of free chicken Aww. and I got some free vegetables. And <laughs> I got invited in like also of um, like these uh, gangs that were st- standing on the corners to get a little bit of beer with them. So slowly I got like really accepted <laughs> by the neighborhood. That's so funny. And then when I got my passport and stuff going on, I was so happy to be there. So I felt wow. so much like... More than you have received from anywhere before.
0: What an experience.
1: Yeah. So I stayed for one and a half year in, Boliv- uh, in uh, Peru, traveling a little bit also, uh, and doing a lot of Muay Thai, like uh, from one gym to another. And in Peru, I know a lot of people from the Muay Thai scene, especially from that time. Lima? Lima and uh, Mangora wow. and
0: all different areas of Peru.
1: Yeah. And then I knew, okay, I wanted, actually I wanted to try this fighting. So I went back to Denmark and was working a little bit, and then I came to Thailand. And Emma Thomas, who I met in uh, Shia Yim, she was uh, still here, and is still here today. Um, And she had just uh, got a sponsorship at Master Totti. So uh, first I went to uh, Pai and was training one month there, but then uh, he was looking for girls who want to fight, so I could get a really good deal. So I went down there, where I was training with Emma, and I met Jade, <laughs> and we had some of our uh, first fights at the same event, didn't
0: we? Oh, it was also your first fight at the yeah. at that market, the yeah, night yeah, market. Yeah,
1: yeah. Oh. oh! So we, we both, kind of started it. We uh, both lost our fight virginity yeah, at the same time. the we did. Same day. <laughs> we go back, like, oh. really long time. Wow! Mm-hmm.
0: So we've been fighting for the same amount of time. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow, that's amazing.
1: It is. Yeah.
0: <laughs> okay, so then you were at Master Toddy's and then you how long were you fighting there? How long were you there for?
1: I was there for six months and I had six fights and then I went back oh, nice. to Denmark where I uh, had the Danish championship um, against Eva and uh, I, because no one knew who I was because I haven't been in Denmark for at yeah. all fighting so... So, I think I surprised this girl a lot. She was pretty much expecting that I was just another little girl who didn't have any skill. I won that, and then I got offered a championship fight in K1 by Iska. And also, there I was totally underdog, but I had a v- some really good trainers, and I was, was so cool. nervous. Like, when I, you know, uh, when you have an opponent and you see the first video fo- photos, mm-hmm. and you're like, oh, my God, how am I going to fight this monster? (laughs) I
0: definitely know how you feel. But Uh, then, like, once you're in the ring, it's a totally different story. Yeah, it is. Yeah, you don't, you always, like, criticize yourself too much. So you think, you watch someone else's video and you think, oh, my God, this person is a monster. How Mm. can I fight them? And then when you go into the ring and you watch your fight, you're like, you're (laughs) a monster. You're like, oh, my God, what's wrong with me?
1: (laughs) Mm. And, and And also you know like in your first many fights, you have so much adrenaline going on so you don't really think at all. You're just like a, a wild person going crazy and after the fight you come out and you don't remember totally. anything and your body is completely destroyed because there was so much adrenaline <laughs> and your muscle was just like tied for 10 minutes. And then slowly you start to uh, listen and thinking and breathing and all of these really, uh, like...
0: Uh, you can follow the game plan much better yeah, after
1: you've you can, relax that and you can use stage of just pure mm-hmm. adrenaline. And at this fight, it was the first fight where I started to listen, but I didn't listen to my corner. I was hearing everything her trainer was telling her to do. So the instructions C got then I came flying doing that. <laughs> Damn, Her corner
0: must have been loud.
1: Yeah. Uh or, or like I think my corner was loud too, at least they were at the video. But it's 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 your sentence it's like it's, it's so
0: a, good that you got fights in Europe. Like so you went back to you went back to Denmark and then you just talked to a gym straight away, and you got connected to a coach there, and he was able to hook you up with fights more mm. or less straight
1: away. It's really lucky. Yeah. I, I am a lucky person, I think. Ah. <laughs> and then um, from there, I started working in a Danish community called Christiania. Um, where I was working many years in some different businesses, Uh, But it's like a very special community It's a famous community around the world Um, And And they supported me a lot When I was going to Because Muita is not on the team Denmark So we don't get any like governmental money To go fighting But then I like became a fighter for Christiania Mm. So also when I've been fighting At your father's championships Like I attached the Christiania banner When we were walking in um and yeah, and also when I won the championship I had the banner
0: with me. So let's talk about that. Um you fought in 2017 in the World Muay Thai Organization Pro Um Championship. So do you only fight one time or twice? Two times. Twice. Tell us about it.
1: Um, if you go back one year before, I also had uh, I won the first fight against Thailand and lost ah. the second fight against Italy. And I actually, I hoped to meet that, that Italian girl again, but she moved up one weight class. So there was me and uh, Daniela, who was uh, at look to fight gym. Yeah, so, so that was in
0: 2017. Yeah, that was in
1: 2017. We had the first fight, um, and I won that fight. And then just after, there was Singapore. Also, oh, the
0: championship fight was against Singapore.
1: Yeah. But here Singapore was fighting against Spain and she knocked her out in the first round and she was really tall and really good. So again, you get this feeling like, oh, what am I going to do tomorrow? (laughs) Uh, But one way I have, uh, like, it's not my game plan, it's just who I am. I'm really aggressive. And it's also often the easy way to win, just to be the aggressor and to destroy their game plan. Yeah,
0: Lear is a very forward fighter.
1: Yeah, very forward, and if we get too close, we just go into the clinch. Um, and uh, Killer be killed. Yeah. <laughs> and it worked really good here and I also had a really good uh, like uh, I was training uh, in and Puker up to this championship where Maro from Mexico was the gym manager from Costa Rica. He's now living in Mexico And uh, so I had a and I I won the Danish Championship just two weeks before, so I had like uh, a long training period up to the Danish Championship, and just the day after, I flew to Phuket and was training there for the World Championship. So it's also the way you win your fight, like how your training have been before. So yeah, 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 and that and 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 that have just been perfect. Yeah, Maybe if you can
0: think of what you're doing on the ring. Like your body's just going, mm. and for, it's going for what you've been doing in training. Yeah. Obviously. So yeah, let's talk. Let's go back a little bit. Talk about when you fought against Danielle. So Danielle is a fighter from Lumpa Family Thai. So that was really hard for me. Like I had my mm. fighter Danielle against my friend Lear. Both fighting, I was like stressed out to be honest I was excited and I was like oh no like how can I yeah. even cheer for this <laughs> <Yeah. you
1: know? laughs> which side am I gonna be on yeah and
0: like you were you guys were like training a
1: little bit beforehand no I like I've been coming and look too for many years yeah. uh, and and I really love look too and look is uh, like the the closest Muay Thai family I have so of course this time, I think I came to Bangkok three or four days before the... No, because we come early, so I think I was there five days before. Yeah. So I had to like keep on training to keep the muscle memory. So I went to look to one day where Daniela, who was uh, also in 50, uh, 57 kgs... Uh, fighting for the build. Yeah, because so, the thing so, is,
0: like, in the championship, we have up to 50 countries competing in these championships, so you have no idea who you're going to fight until the day before, mm. or even the same day. Sometimes they announce it, and you're like, oh, this person. But but,
1: but we found out out that and me and Daniele was, like, both... In the same category. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, like, uh, okay, uh, hey, my name is uh, a little bit, like, awkward.
0: <laughs> I feel you. Yeah.
1: Oh,
0: that's funny. I think we also had, like, some... Brazilians training who are like 57 mm. kilograms. Some other people who was in the category. It's a popular weight class. I'd say 54 to 57 around that is a popular weight class mm. for women.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And also smaller, I think. Yeah, but yeah. But
0: yeah, and you said like the year before you lost against Italy. Mm. I've also lost against Italy. Like I must say, Italians are very good Muay Thai fighters. Mm. They what is strong. your
1: name, this Italian girl? I meter. don't know. Okay. <laughs> Yeah. But she is really good, but like she keep on fighting amateur and pro-am and never Uh, really go up and take the professional fights. And that that is a little bit of a thing because many people who have like a lot of experience Mm -hmm. behind them, they keep in the like not professional leagues and and, and there should be some kind of... uh, Yeah,
0: uh, maybe maybe they get some type of... Some type of special funding if they just stay in the amateur and pro am mm. uh pro-am categories. So I know yeah. um, the Vietnamese team, they've been fighting forever, like their entire lives almost, and they only fight in amateur because their government fund them mm. for fighting amateur and representing Vietnam. So if they move to professional,
1: then I don't think they would get that anymore. It must be so nice to have governments. Help, yeah. funding you, yeah. but I had Christiania funding me, and also because Christiania, and it was like all people and businesses putting a little bit in, so I could go and fight, so there was so many people who was following it on uh, on Facebook and social Aww. media, and the video you made a live stream, so people were like sitting at home, oh, Leah is going to fight, come here everyone, Leah is fighting, uh, and you know, when you... Then you do fight, of course, it's a very big fin- thing to win a championship, and yeah. you're extremely, like, happy, and yeah, finally it happened. But when I came home, like, people came. Oh, Leah, we were watching it, and I must say that after I... I was crying a little bit out of happiness. Yeah. The hero. Yeah, and this and all of the comments you sometimes get on Facebook. It's it's also what make a lot of like, because it is tough fighting and often you like find yourself in, why am I doing this? It can be lonely. Yeah, what is this gonna, where is this going to take me? But all of these, uh, this support from back home and from friends and family, that, that really make a difference. So if you have... Friends fighting, then like support them by 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 telling them that it's cool about they're doing. And, yeah. Yeah. Always support each other. Yeah, always support people who's doing something.
0: Because sometimes even like even if you're in it, sometimes you do feel you have those days where you're you doubt yourself or you feel like maybe I shouldn't do this anymore. Mm. But then you see all the people around you supporting mm. you, and you're like, okay, this and is that why keep I'm doing you,
1: it. Yeah, yeah, that keep you doing it. Um, yeah. So and, and I also. Like, because our brain is always trying to take us out on what is not pleasant, and it is not pleasant to go wake up at 5 o'clock and go running uh, 10, 7 or 5Ks, <laughs> or how it is at the gym where you are, and then skip, and then after all of this, you are going to do the actually Muay Thai training. Like, it is really hard mentally, not when you are out doing it, but to get yourself there. And I think that this... It's a very strong thing to uh, to to do and make into a habit to do all of the unpleasant work because it's 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 how you develop and how you also move forward in other f- things of life.
0: Yeah, you're really just challenging yourself every day mentally, physically, mm. emotionally. I've even cried during training. Yeah, some days. me yeah. too,
1: completely. <laughs> it's so normal, especially cutting weight. Yeah. yeah. Thinking like, it's okay, I cry because this must be some grams falling off my body also. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. And
0: a lot of girls actually cry during training because, I mean, we go through all these different hormonal states as well. Mm. And sometimes when we're putting our body through so much stress you know we're gonna get emotional about it too and I've seen girls cry during training and you ask them why are you crying what's wrong she's like I don't know
1: I don't know
0: (laughs) exactly but it's like so common so if you're a female fighter and it's happening to you just realize like it's normal and you're just being humble and it's good like be aware of it
1: you you feel shit and you don't know why you are acting like this. But anyway, you are doing it. You are putting the work in. And it's, it's, it's a really... It's- important thing to learn and also to take with you out of the gym out of the fighting to do the unpleasant thing because after the unpleasant thing and you go into the ring and you have your fight you forget all of the shit you went through and you only like taste the feeling of yes i did this and it's the same with like uh, both you and me we are doing a lot of projects and have always been doing it and projects is not only filled with joy and fun days maybe it's what we put out of facebook but you go through so much shit and you get like smashed down so many times like you do in muay thai where you are like thrown to the floor so you really learn some great lessons in sports and being a fighter of continuing and not quitting never give up and all of these things that you it's
0: so true it can be applied to everything that Mm. you do you know school or work you know you're always going to meet failures in life and If you're going to dwell on it, then that's the end. But if you're going to keep on fighting and go on to the next one, then that's it, makes you a fighter as a person, not just as an athlete.
1: And it's going to take you to uh, on an. amazing journey because when you are moving forward and and people can feel this energy that you're not gonna give up and you you always get back up and you continue what you are doing. This is when you get a lot of really good opportunities mm. uh, and it's also something we have been talking about that it happened for both of yeah, us. It's true, yeah. Like like when something maybe not happened as we hoped so, then something else come up because we put our energy out there that we want to do something. And this, uh, this for me, it comes from the changes I did when I started training and later on fighting. Mm-hmm.
0: So after your uh, WMO uh, championship, did you continue fighting? When was your last fight?
1: My last fight was in January. So after this championship, I was uh, I was training for it in Phuket in mm. uh, Suatai Muay Thai. And after this, I got offered a sponsorship there. But uh, back in Denmark in Christiania, I was uh, I had a lot of responsibilities because I was doing management for some uh, businesses. And uh, and yeah, me and this one business, we had like kind of a love-hate affair because when like when you're doing management, you also have a lot of knowledge about the business. And this was like collective-driven dri- businesses, and often when someone with the management responsibility like walked out the business lost a lot of uh, knowledge and mm-hmm. know-how so it kind of had to start over and i promised this business that i would not do this but then uh, like some stuff happened and people were not <laughs> treating me uh, in the right way and i decided to uh, i'm too good for this <laughs> so uh, i quit and that opened the door that i could uh, i could go to thailand so so after, because I've been, I, I had some years where I was really like down with stress and the stress you can feel in your stomach and uh, that is like affecting you physically yeah. and mentally. But that's very normal
0: after like quitting a job or
1: losing a no, job. No, but I had something. it while I had that job. It yeah. was very good and healthy for me to quit that job. And also uh. actually when things was, when I was most sick, sick with stress, that was like the times where I told my trainer get me a fucking fight. I need to get some of this out because then I could like really put my focus into the fight and then still like the business and things, they were continuing as they do. And then after the fight, because all of the energy you put into training also do that your body is a lot stronger and can take a lot more after. So Mm -hmm. you after a fight, you are kind of this superhuman for a while.
0: Yeah.
1: Um isn't it funny
0: how you get scared for your, before your first fight someone's like do you want to fight and you're like no but then once you do it it becomes sort of addictive
1: it's so addictive it's strange yeah. no?
0: getting punched in the face and hit mm-hmm. and
1: hitting someone
0: you really feel uh, the,
1: the pump the energy from mm-hmm. it yeah so
0: yeah you can definitely go on to the next one on the but next for one. me
1: the addiction was pretty much this that Life is basically the way I have been living. Life it's uh, it's it's going up and down. And when life was down, I knew that uh, a tool to getting it up here again was to take a fight. Right. So so when I was down, I was like, okay, my tool get me a fight. And then I took the fight, and everything was so it much better. It gives focus and drive yeah. and
0: determination. Yeah, yeah
1: that's true. Um, yeah completely and and also health like 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 our emotions is also very uh, driven by how we eat and drink and so on, and when you take a fight, you like get on the right diet stop and drinking stop drinking <laughs> and stop everything so so this unbalance in your body is also like uh, out of yeah. your system so so this also like affect you in a positive uh, direction, and then. I was not I didn't have this work anymore so I had the opportunity to uh, go to Phuket mm-hmm. and start training there and that was uh, I left last year New Year's Eve so I actually like paid a little bit of extra money because I calculated that I could see fireworks from up because I was flying like over many could countries you? Of course, I could not because like fireworks is so small, and I was so high up, so I was so <laughs> disappointed in the uh, in the flight. I'd be and fe- scared and, and, and felt very stupid. At I the was same in time. An airplane and
0: I looked out the window and I saw something flashy flying at I me, could look down I would and be quite see it like scared. <laughs> I.
1: Uh, so I landed in Thailand the first of January 2018 mm. and went to Phuket and started training and fighting. Um, there was like uh, some things about it was good, something was not good. Uh, like when I was training up for the championship fight, there was a really good manager in the gym who really had the training up at a high level. And uh, I, I, I missed that person a lot. And then, um, like, I love fighting, but fighting have never been my main thing. I always had need to have some kind of project to feel that the, to have a purpose, because fighting for me is not the purpose, but developing something mm-hmm. and having something that you can, like, create. And it's, yeah. So I met, uh, actually, just, it happened by that I was going into a restaurant where they had something called a mulberry shake, and I didn't know what mulberry <laughs> was, so I had to try it. And there, there was, like, some Thai gentlemen sitting around a table, and they looked up at me and said we're having a meeting about smart farming. Do you have any good ideas? And before I had been doing... It's very random, because before I had been doing like smart farming research and development in Copenhagen, so I was like, of course I do, showing videos, talking about aquaponics and aeroponic, and my mentor at that project, he's like a very famous Danish inventor, who invented uh, a building uh, technology, technology, That is, it's made out of aluminium and it's using, like, uh, the underground temperature that is transported in the aluminium even to cool the house or heat it up. Uh, And it's, have solar cell, renewable energy, and in the aluminium you can also take DC electricity so Mm. you can make a cable-free house. Um, And then they, so I was, like, pitching this also, and then they were like okay, we have this conference where there's going to be politicians and universities professors, maybe you can pitch your project. Wow. I was like, yeah, I guess I can. So, <laughs> so I had to like put the project a little bit more together and make a PowerPoint, and I came to this uh, conference and pitched it and was invited to the universities here in Thailand that is working with smart grid technology to pitch my project in and then after Mai and I stayed in contact with uh, the university in Pizza Nuluk Um, and I really I worked a lot on this project later on uh, and to develop the concept and I really believe in this uh, building technology also can have like when you're doing urban Smart farming. One of the like main uh, reason why you should do it is uh, that we are facing uh, the globally. We are going to face a lot of like changes in our world. Global warming. Yeah, climate change, global warming. We are run, running out of fresh, fresh water. Like mm-hmm. There's a lot of like things that is happening right now, and we are going to see a lot more over the next two decades. So also I got uh, very much into this climate change research, and from that got more and more like obsessed about that. This is actually a really good idea, and it, it, it can help a lot of people around, and it can be a really good business model. And when I get obsessed, it's like everything else... Tunnel vision. Completely. Uh, So I also stopped doing Muay Thai because uh, because I was kind of doing both things half. I was going training all the time and then going home working on the project and nothing really worked out the best. So I decided to stop fighting. But then uh, my good friend Jake called me and said, Hey, Leah, I... I have a very good opportunity for you. You can go and fight in China. And it's a big thing to go and fight in China. It's like... When she says
0: good friend, Jay, she means me, by the way.
1: <laughs> of course I do. <laughs> um... yeah,
0: yeah, I got you on WLF. Mm. Yeah, kickboxing in China. It
1: was awesome. So uh, I went to Pizza Nuluk to train for the fight where uh, Adrian Boy, who is the project leader of the smart city up there, he invited me to stay with his family then I went training every day and we went to China. And actually it was an uh, amazing experience because one of the goals I always had in fighting was to leave the shit out. And the shit is all of the mental battle you mm-hmm. have going on before you go into the fight. Actually, fighting is the fun part. The weeks up to fighting is the shit where you Horrible. have all of this like going on. And, and my goal was, with fighting was to leave this so fighting should just be all through a positive experience because it is the only thing that is making it not positive is your own fucking mind so it was like having this mental battle yeah but also learning to leave out the bad thoughts and only concentrate uh, only like focus on the in the Mm -hmm. um and I think maybe because I had retired and Muay Thai was not like my main thing anymore. So I was just like, yeah, it's going to be awesome to go to China and try this. I still, there was one day where I had a little bit of mental thing, where I got sent a video of my opponent. Yeah. But I don't think it was the girl I was actually fighting. No, it
0: wasn't. No. no I remember you, you contacted me and you were like, I don't think this is the girl. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but, but maybe that's a good, good thing. Sometimes... In Muay Thai, you do end up going to a fight, and then it's a completely different person to what you were told yeah. many times. <laughs> yeah.
1: uh, and that was an awesome experience in China. I'm glad. Yeah. So thank you for that one. Yeah, you're <laughs> welcome. I'm really happy, and she won. By the I way, I won yeah. as the only not Chinese person.
0: It's really difficult to go to China and, and win a fight against their national. China's. And they are also really
1: good in they China like China is uh, investing a lot of money in in really growing in martial art. Yes. So uh, the fighters are almost like superstars there and they are like they are machines. <laughs> they are just moving forward and they don't uh, like get any impact no matter what you throw against mm-hmm. them but, but I had a, I had pretty good control over my girl though. Nice. Yeah. Um, and then I went think i went to denmark a little bit after that and was thinking yeah i I remember you went to uh, denmark after that fight and i was living in phuket still but i had more like what i wanted to do it it was not going to happen in phuket so i decided to move to pizza nuluk and came up there and came out to the university and was like i want to be part of this
0: wow (laughs) oh yeah because you still had the contacts from when you met them in phuket
1: and also, like, had a little bit of contact with them, like, writing back and forward about the project. And I think, like, by doing this, like, deciding, okay, this is what I want to do. So where is it going to happen? And then you go there. And this also show to them that this is really what you want to do. Right. Right. So It's uh, all your determination, your work ethic. So at the at the University in no, University there is a, 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 like a department working with smart grid technology. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it started twenty five years ago as the school for renewable energy.
0: Oh, in uh, Thailand? Yeah. Wow, I didn't
1: know that. Um, and it's been one of the leading like uh, places of like uh, education and uh, and school of renewables, mm-hmm. and uh, because. Uh, Our world is changing, and it's always changing with technology. And our cities, especially, is changing. They put put smart grid into it, so now it's the school of renewable energy and smart Mm -hmm. grid technology. Um, And it's a lot about like uh, applications and uh, like software, digital transformations of uh, cities where i believe that with the digital transformation there also need to be some uh, hardware and i believe that in the future we are facing also with uh, especially with climate change that that part of the solution is in going back to the past mm-hmm. and in the local community like have the supply of the most uh, like elementary thing we need for living, which is electricity, mm-hmm. we can get from renewable energy. We need housing, mm-hmm. and we need food. And uh, from the again from the smart farm developing uh, and research I've been doing before, I, I had a pretty good idea put together about uh, it's, it's it's a trend that is especially in the states, and also coming to uh, Europe now about vertical farming. Mm-hmm. Because if you grow up rather than out, you can grow in the the prototype I'm doing. It's quite popular
0: in Singapore as
1: well. Yeah, in Singapore also. Uh, But right now where I could have 30 plants if I was just growing on the ground, I can have 300 plants because I'm growing up. And then I'm taking in... uh, Because we also have to think a lot about which materials we are using because we have this big problem about uh, plastic pollution and waste. So uh, there is this amazing material here in Asia, especially bamboo. Right. Uh, so, uh, So I had like... Should it be PVC plastic or should it be bamboo? And then one uh, day, the the principal at Jan Watt, he came and picked me up and was, now we're going out and finding you some bamboo. Aww. So we drove out and saw some green bamboo laying on the side of the road and went talking to the locals and they could get us some more bamboo. Wow, as easy as that. Yeah, pretty easy. But we, we drove pretty far though. Uh-huh. Uh, so two days after, we went and cut the bamboo into the right size and took it back, The green bamboo. And... Because things are happening really fast up there, I, like, I didn't know anything about bamboo. So I had to go to uh, my university of YouTube, where you can learn <laughs> absolutely everything. And uh, figuring out, okay, what do you do with bamboo? And bamboo, you have to treat it like all kinds of wood, you have to treat it. And you can do a heat treating with bamboo where you heat it up. So I turned my kitchen into a little workshop. Was heating the bamboo up so there comes this natural oil out you can then like put into the bamboo and then you have to wow. have it uh, drying for a while it was like a crazy job and it also have these nuts inside where I had to stand with like a big metal thing and just like <laughs> get them out um, and then they have been drying for a while and now I have 20 PhD students from Roy It that study social science uh, that will be at the university until August. Mm-hmm. So while I have been in Bangkok, they have been sending me photos of how wow. they have been cleaning it and making the the growing holes and putting in the PVC. So everything is ready now, except that I need to some That's materials. So awesome. Yeah, it's super awesome. Mm-hmm. So things are going very fast, and I get to pitch my project idea. So when I pitch, I learned this this good way of pitching, where first you are kind of telling the problem mm-hmm. and the problem is that our world is changing mm-hmm. because of uh, our action within the last five seven decades right. so our uh, our climate is changing and there is so many people around the world that is hungry and that is uh, like like rising also is not because we are like getting closer to a solu- solution and that is also due to climate change and and changing weather and longer droughts periods. Last year I was in Europe. And in Europe, also during the summer in Denmark, normally it rains. Mm-hmm. But this time they had four months of like tropical weather. Wow. It was like 35 degrees. Yeah, even the
0: summers in England are getting really nice.
1: <laughs> yeah, really nice. <laughs> we but
0: used to just have like maybe five days somewhere But the thing
1: is, it is really nice. Of course, tropical weather is really nice, but it's not nice for the farmer. Right. Like the farmers in Denmark, they had to slaughter all the animals because they could not uh, produce enough food for them. They had the worst Aww. harvest for 150 years. Aww. I was flying over Europe from Switzerland to Denmark. Europe is normally very green in the summertime. Yeah. Everything was yellow. Um, yeah. yeah that's a big difference. Mm. And like another crazy thing is that every. Second, we throw out 40 tons of food around the world. One third of all agricultural resources is like discarded. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's not really about that we have to produce more food. It's more that we have to start producing it smarter. And that is our idea about this vertical farm to make the technology, uh, it's an old technology. Actually, it was like NASA that wanted to... Find a way to grow food out of space. Wow! So uh, they, this system I think it's not
0: necessary. I think we can just do it in in the in the, w- the world we have right now. Exactly. But just do it smart, like you said, mm-hmm. and and not really overindulging because a lot of places are doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: And it's easy to do, and at a very small space, you can grow a lot of food, and this could be a way to take food into the cities. Right. So everyone can start growing. Yeah. And then by uh, like, do you see that? Happening? That is what we are working for. Mm-hmm. It's that
0: mindset is, though, you know, you really have to work it into the people cuz people are lazy. That's the problem.
1: Yeah, but you can be lazy because we have like a technology of uh, IoT, Internet of Things where everything can just be run by itself. You can sit being lazy in your sofa and you can watch on your telephone and everything that is going on and your telephone can tell you, okay, today you should go out Mm -hmm. and harvest this or today you should like put some seed in some uh, growing media. So it can become like really, really easy. Uh, And then what we are uh, developing is a software where we are kind of taking out the intermedia, which is the shops. So... I'm the farmer growing Uh food on my house and you are like, uh, you are Jade living here and of course you want the most healthy, ecological, freshly produced food and Uh at the same time you would like to support some people who maybe don't have so much living in the community so you can go on the application and see which farmers that is around you and then you can buy the food directly for them and you can get it cheaper and you can get it more fresh and so on. So this is like the kind of project we are trying to uh, develop. (laughs)
0: It seems like you're you're on a mission here.
1: Completely.
0: Really on a mission. So that's I'm why. On a I...
1: farmer fighter mission. <laughs> <laughs>
0: farmer fighter. Yeah. So you're not fighting anymore. You're just on the smart farms.
1: No, I'm still think... fighting a little bit because like we yeah, have you... the climate change and right. we have to take action. You're so still, I'm like a a, I'm a, I'm taking uh, the fighting battle into a, a new subject.
0: No, yeah, definitely. You definitely. Uh, whatever you're going to do you put your mind to it in t- in terms of a fighter mindset and i think it's really great and so admirable what you're doing and i think that from what you've told us your whole story leads up to this perfectly and i think this is so you
1: it is completely yeah. and uh, and also this that no matter how our past have been looking maybe there is some spots and some stuff, but like your future is spotless. So yeah. like what you decide that you want to go out to do tomorrow, just that you are consistent trying to do it. And even that some people is trying to take you down or put you down or telling you like, how are you little blonde girl going to do this? You should. This we were also talking about earlier. Okay. Tell me I cannot do it. Then I really I will need to show you. Yeah. Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> okay, definitely. And uh how do you find living in Nulog compared to living in Phuket? It's completely different.
1: It is completely different. And Phuket is like, it's this paradise island. It's really beautiful. And when you're first living there, you are like, I'm going to be here the rest of my life. Mm. Um, so when I was moving and everything was insecure about what will happen in look, I didn't move all my things. Uh, but Pizanuluk is really magical. There is not a lot of tourists there. Mm-hmm. It's the old, old, old capital of uh, Siam. It was, uh, you know, the grandfather kind of of Muay uh, King King Yeah, He was born here. Ah. Uh, so there is a lot of old temples and old oh. history. And in the temples, temples is kind of like a culture uh, thing. So... When I go now I'm living a little bit outside the city, so when I go into Pizza I'm always like going into the temples and checking out what is happening. Well oh, that's now. why I've
0: seen a lot of your photos yeah. on social media. Yeah. yeah, it looks like a UTI. Yeah. It looks like these old ruins there, old temple mm. ruins. And very it's
1: different. very close to Sukut Ah, okay. Yeah. A lot uh, of history a lot of history and, like, a huge national park where there is uh, old ruins and old Buddhas, really beautiful. You can really feel, like, the old uh, society. Um, yeah. Wow. And, and, and it's just very Thai, and and, and the ties because in Phuket, because most most of the Thais is... Getting their money and doing their business from the tourist industry. So also being a tourist, there you uh, like you are a little bit of like uh, yeah. yeah. So but up there, they are more like interested in this uh, right. for person coming and asking they value them.
0: you more yeah. as a person rather than what's in your pocket. Yeah, yeah. I what think are that's you so doing
1: true? here yeah. and inviting you for many things. And oh. people are so sweet. So you'll be speaking Thai soon. I hope so. I I, I really want to learn Thai. (laughs) And I say, I think almost every day, I really want to learn Thai. I think every time I see you, I'm like, like, I'm going to learn Thai. Yeah, (laughs) but but the thing is, like, if you want to learn something, you have to sit down and start study and learning and be determined and I'm so focused about the farm and the smart city and global change. So every time I have a second, I'm like uh, on uh, the university of Google or YouTube or something, uh, learning something new. So I have, to, uh, I have to incorporate my learning Thai into my everyday life. And wow. I really like if I'm not going to learn Thai, it, it will be a disaster. It'll be so sad.
0: Now, last thing before we wrap this up. Um, you have a pirate background. Can you tell us about that? What's all that about?
1: You no, know, when you are a fighter, you uh, you you should have a fighter name, and it took me a long time to find my fighter name. Uh, I like the longest relationship I ever had was not so beautiful in the end, so I decided to split up, and uh, and I didn't have any place to go, but some of my friends were living in this uh, this very special harbor, uh, kind of uh, it was a kind of an, an adventure. This is in Denmark? It's in Denmark. It's just outside the neighborhood, Christiania. It's called the Pirate Harbor or the Harbor of uh. Peace. Um, Copenhagen is, uh, there is a lot of like channels and river and most of these uh, spaces on water is owned by uh, under the restriction of the Copenhagen harbor but this particular place like the land is a uh, pieced land uh, like national peace, national park mm-hmm. so also the coastline belong under the resti- restriction of danish coastline so there is other laws rules here and in uh, like the on the danish coastline you can always throw down your anchor and uh, lay a, minimum five meters uh, from the from the shore. So there was uh, like a bunch of uh, boats that had decided to do this and develop this community on the water. Mm-hmm. And then uh, some of my friends got me a boat so I could go and live there. Aww. And it's, uh, it's... You are lucky. I am. I am <laughs> so lucky. And uh, like going home, yeah, you have to take a little boat and like row Aww. out to your boat and fall asleep. Uh, you can hear this... sleeping mm, waking up and and there is a lot of boats going by their tourist boat but because there is because the boats from the harbor was there it was like destroying the waves so all of the birds like living there so outside Uh your house there was swans and there was many birds you don't see around the danish nature especially in the city because that that the water was peaceful Mm -hmm. so beautiful So, uh, and because it was called the Pirate Harbour and it was really like pirate life, then my fighter name became Leah the Pirate. Ah,
0: so here we have it, Leah the Pirate, everyone. (laughs) Leah, thank you so much for joining me today.
1: Thank you. It was great. I'm sad we didn't get to talk more about uh, our relationship and about you because I think that in your podcast, we should also get to know more about Jade and your background.
0: (laughs) Do you have any questions for me?
1: Um, yeah, I do. So when we started fighting, I remember that, uh, like, you come from a background of a family with Muay Thai, but actually, like, your father was not really too supportive of that uh, Jade should uh, start fighting.
0: No, yeah, he did not want me to fight. No? No, he told me I couldn't, he didn't want me to get hurt. And I said, I'll show you. <laughs> and that was it. Like, I actually, I went to go and train at Master Toddy's gym rather than with my dad because he told me I couldn't fight. So um, I was stubborn and went to go train somewhere else and had a fight eventually. And my first fight, my father came to watch me and he realized, oh, okay, I am a fighter. You
1: can actually do this. I can do
0: it. So there, are showing you the fighter mentality straight away. You know, Mm. people tell me that I can't do anything or do something, including someone so close to me, but I know myself what I can do and I want to prove it.
1: Especially when people tell you that uh yeah. that you can not and that you shouldn't. It, that's do this. that's what makes me more determined mm. more than anything.
0: You tell me I can't do it, I will show you that you just give me like so much energy and power to show you even more that I can do
1: it. But pretty much like because fighting is one thing, but you took not only the fighting in the ring and in the training like to be a part of what you do every day like yes. you are so much a part of like uh, the oh community now because you have been doing you have you are doing management of Luktu Muay Thai you have been doing a lot of events like hundreds of events yeah uh, and 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 Muay Thai is My life now, completely, whether I like it or not. But but not your (laughs) life like Muay Thai is the life for many fighters. But Muay Thai as it's it's everything you surround yourself with.
0: Yeah, I think that one thing that when people get into fighting, all they see is only fighting. Whereas really, if you get into anything, any sport, but I'm saying Muay Thai. There's different branches of that you can go into when you can really develop your skills in all different ways and just kind of put Muay Thai in there or put whatever you like mm. in there. Yeah. It's good. It really it challenges you, you know. And uh, I like that challenge. You know, it makes you creative, as you were talking about earlier, being creative, being productive, like thinking of different things that you can do and not giving up.
1: And then Muay Thai, for you, have also been this uh, entrepreneurship because yes. you have been part of uh, the, the Muay Thai team your father created. Mm-hmm. And now you're also an entrepreneur in, in other things. You are making your own... Female
0: Fight League. Female
1: Fight League.
0: Yeah, so I you know, I, I managed to look to find Muay Thai. Um, and I also helped my dad with the World Muay Thai Organization. But you know, I don't always want to work. Or, or, I mean, yes, I'm always going to help him, but I also want to do something for myself as well. So, yeah, I created a female fight league, you know. Because it is
1: hard as a woman, as it's a female, to find fights. It's very hard to, find it's very hard to yeah. get some good fights. And, and I have been very happy and very supportive of your female fight league because it is a gap that is not filled out by anything uh, in the fight scene right now yeah. to promote... The girls who is like, I I think girls sometimes is fighting even more to be a part of the scene than boys are, because there is no real opportunities for us.
0: Rather than, we're not just competing with ourselves, we're not just competing with our opponents, but we're competing with the entire industry. Mm. Yeah, it's true. So yeah, like um, I did the first show and then we just sent a workshop and then after that I had back surgery. So then I had to kind of just put everything to the side for a while and heal. Um... We do plan to do another show for Female Fire League. We're still looking for sponsors. Mm. Not sure if it will be in Thailand or somewhere else. So stay tuned for that. I can't announce until it's confirmed.
1: So for everyone out there, if you want to uh, do some very awesome business promotion, or you want to support a very good case in just gender equality, that girls and boys should have the same opportunities in the sport industry, here is a very good uh, possibility for, for sponsoring something uh, very <laughs> awesome. and we uh, are many people, many uh, girls and boys around the world who have been following female fight League. So please support. <laughs> support the female industry in, uh, in Muay Thai. and uh, the event you put up in uh, Pattaya, it was uh, it was something high. It, yeah, was it, was awesome. it was awesome. And all the screens and light, and it was so professional. Like I, was, I worked uh, hard. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, You know, like, I wanted it to be a certain way. I envisioned it a certain way, and I worked and connected with people who could make that happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I really wanted to, to prove to people that I could do it. And another thing, like, even I think my dad was kind of unsure if I could do that, like make my own fight, promote my own fight and organize everything. So he would ask me, he's like, do you need me help? Are you sure? Do you want me to do you like, do something? No, I was like, no, can do I'm it. doing it myself. <laughs> yeah. You see. And then he came to my event and he saw it and he was he was blown away. It was also job.
1: amazing. You did a very great job. Yeah, I'm really happy. So let's me. get some more about uh, of this. And, uh, and yeah, you just been through a very top operation.
0: I spoke about that with my brother, though, so yeah. it's okay. I'm, I'm healing, I'm getting better, and I'll be back training soon. I can shadow box right now and do, like, light exercise. So, mm. yeah. I'm not going to go fighting anymore. That's out of, I'm, ever, I'm past that, and I'm so happy with what I did during that career during, as a fighter. And you're still
1: fighting yeah. just on another, a exactly. lot of other things. Exactly. And uh, and 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 as you just said that it's very important to promote female fighting. So I think that you are fighting in a direction that is more beneficial for a lot for many other people. So please keep fighting on, on, on that manner. Thank you,
0: yeah, I will do.
1: Yeah. Thank you for having me.
0: Oh yeah, thank you, the thanks very much, and see you next episode. Bye.
1: Bye bye.